0: somewhere between waking and sleeping. On our journey towards the unfathomable deep, there comes a thin moment where we have one foot in the waking world and the other is in that other world where we relinquish conscious control. Pausing here and straddled between two planets that drive one another like gears, the attentive traveller will notice a narrow door only wide enough to sidle through. This is the border of sleep where imagination and reality are braided together, a chasm in the crust of consciousness venting the hot pumice of imagery into the irresistible magma of narrative. Welcome to episode 31 of Stories from the Borders of Sleep, a podcast of curious tales from BordersofSleep.com, featuring original stories by your host Seymour Jacklin. We're back from the dead... And uh, we will be continuing to broadcast fortnightly in the future and have lots of new material for you over the coming months. Um, Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. You can visit bordersofsleep.com for more information or to leave some feedback. Artwork is by Robin Trainer, and production is by Tim Wiles. The soundtrack for this week's episode is from Future Forever by Ion and that's available from magnatune.com. This podcast is also available on iTunes, so if you're ready to journey with me, then I shall begin. The Jelly Fargle Marsh by Seymour Jacklin Don't put your sandfuls anywhere near that Gaborgian or blare your ganderbells, said Marek, without looking up from the carragids in his hands. Terry stood reverently just inside the door and kept one fist wrapped around the throat of a limp bag of sandfells. He wiped his brow with the back of his other hand. It was uncomfortably warm in Marek's den. Have you come to trade? asked Marek. Maybe, said Terry. There was a long pause. Marek didn't look up. He was flicking through the deck of carrigids and his lips moved as if he was silently counting them. Terry looked around the den. Something was different. On his right, the Gaborgian was there in its tall cylindrical tank, floating with its four unblinking eyes just above the surface of the water, looking in four different directions. Marek was perched on a bar stool in the middle of the room with an architectural drawing board tilted behind him, and there it was again. Something in the left corner of the room. The outline of something... It looked like a... It couldn't be. It must be. It was a Jelly Fagelmarsh. Oh my chordle, he exclaimed. You've got the latest JFM. Is it the Beta Feldine model? In all its transdimensional glory, Marek replied. Schmackanaclectic! The Beta Feldine Jelly Fagelmarsh succeeded the Alpha Feldine, obviously, but it wasn't just an upgrade. The beta had been completely redesigned from the bottom up, and it was transdimensional. That meant that you couldn't see it if you looked at it directly. It could only be perceived in your peripheral vision. Terry had only seen pictures of it in the last issue of the Agusan pages. But it wasn't eye candy, it was touch candy. The outline was recognisable. Like all JFMs, it was basically a box with a lever on the side of it, and a unique mess of pipes and cables erupting from its top half like the tentacles of a hydra. The upper array, known as the rumbinold, was slightly different on every single issue, like a fingerprint. No two JFMs were the same. According to the Agusan pages, the designers had rarely gone in for texture and talkability on the beta. At least 40 different talkable surface types had been used, from the luxuriance of ferryfan to the cold edges of Skakrik and the disconcertingly skin like Glee Pops. Terry repeated emphatically. Go ahead and check it out. Terry didn't move. How did you get it? he asked. Traded it, said Marek, for 40 packs of holographic carrigids. What does it do? asked Terry stupidly. Of course it was a silly question. The whole point of a jellyfargel marsh was that it didn't do anything, it just was. It just sat there being transdimensional, being talkable, being beautiful, being the sort of thing that made your friends say schmack under their breath. It didn't switch on or off or make a sound, and it didn't move by itself. In fact it was heavier than a trifletin, and hundred percent less useful. Marek put his carragids down, climbed off his stool and came towards Terry. He was trying to act cool, as if everyone had the latest jellyfargel marsh, and it was no big deal. But he was savouring this moment, basking in its reflected glory. The two boys were about the same height, but Marrick seemed somehow bigger. The light was behind him, and his shadow fell on his friends. I'm not trading for sandfills at the moment, he told Terry. Have you got any carrigids? A few? Let's see. Terry stuffed the sandfalls back into one of his pockets and shyly produced a single carrogate from another, anticipating his friend's scorn. Marek squinted at the card in his friend's hand. It was a holograph, but there wasn't quite enough light available to make it really pop out. Drina, he said. I've got loads of her. (laughs) She's as common as muck. Thought you said you had a few. What else do you have? ''Well, actually, I I had a few yesterday,'' Terry confessed. ''I traded them all for this one.'' ''A few what?'' exclaimed Marek incredulously. ''Just some others from the Unpalpus set. Bentec, Hema, Jedgrut and Filiance and a couple of others,'' said Terry. ''But she's...'' Marek was about to say common as muck again, but he was choking on his dismay. ''I mean...'' Jedgrut alone is worth ten of her, he said, finally, shaking his head. Marek didn't understand. Terry was in love. He'd fallen in love with Drina. Marek was enjoying his friend's naivety. Terry turned the face of the Carrigid upwards, tilting it slightly towards the light. And there she was, looking straight at him as if he were the only person in the world and turning him into a cliche of a love struck teenager with a single glance. Marek broke his reverie, shaking him roughly by the shoulder. "'Listen here, my suffering Benchicker. "'You've got to learn some trading savvy. "'But now you've nothing to trade but a bunch of sandfuls "'and one of the most common carrigids in the Unpalpus set.' "'He turned his friend gently and walked him towards the Jellyfargle Marsh. "'You could have one of these one day,' he said, "'gesturing with the air of a philanthropic millionaire.' Then he tapped a finger on top of a stack of back issues of the Aguizen pages. I am going to offer you a trade you will thank me for for years to come. Give me your Drina Karagid and I will let you have all of these if you promise to read them and learn what's what and stop doing stupid trades. They continued a small circuit of the den and stopped in front of the Gaborgian in its tank. All four of its eyes looked directly at Terry. It could probably sense the sandfells in his pocket, for it had opened its mouth by about two inches and pressed itself against the side of the tank. Terry stared straight past it. Drina was back in his pocket, but he kept his hand folded over the face of the carrigid. He knew he'd just been offered a phenomenal deal, and he'd be a worthy candidate for Marek's scorn if he turned it down. But there was no way he was going to leave without Drina. I'll... ''Think about it and get back to you,'' he offered lamely. ''Think about it?'' said Marek. ''What is there to think? What are you going to think with?'' ''You clearly don't have a brain, Benchiker. ''Leave me alone, right?'' said Terry. ''I just want to think about it.'' ''Suit yourself,'' said Marek. ''I'm going to Carrigid's conference tomorrow for three days. You can let me know when you come back. Actually, I have a favour to ask.'' Could you look after the Gaborgian while I'm away? Terry had never felt comfortable under the Gaborgian's gaze, but he felt he owed his friend something, so he agreed. Sure, I'll take it home with me now. Thank you, said Terry. Just feed it pink stashes and don't let it have any sandfells. It was probably just an urban myth, but the tale had gone around that one guy had accidentally dropped a sandful in his Gaborgian's tank. The creature gobbled it up and then went crazy, smashed out of its tank and sprayed slime everywhere. If it got hungry enough, a Gaborgian could grow a tentacle out of its mouth like a long tongue and reach anything lying within a few feet of its tank. In fact, some people just grew pink stashes in a pot near the tanks and let their Gaborgians feed themselves from the flowers as they bloomed. Marek went back to his bar stool. Terry took the tank by its handles and was careful to carry it under his left arm, because the sandfills were in his right pocket. He said goodbye to Marek and wished him good trading at the conference. When he got back to his room and tried to put the tank down, he discovered that the gaborgian had grown a tentacle and reached into his left pocket. Oh, suffling begungles, anger badanger bigdanga, he wailed. He didn't want to touch the thing but he knew that it had got hold of the carrigid. The tentacle was covered in fine hair like a spider's leg, and the creature had swollen up so that it was wedged in the tank like a cork, a defensive mechanism to prevent itself from being pulled out. Terry gently extracted the carrigid from his pocket by one corner, and sure enough, the Gaborgian's mouth tentacle had wrapped itself around Drina. Her beautiful eyes were bound with a revolting tendril anger, angada, anger! Terry muttered. Don't worry, Drina. We'll get you out of there somehow. Terry looked about him for something to help him prise off the tentacle's grip, but a dark panic was enfolding him. The tentacle tightened around the carrigid, crumpling it. It waved the carrigid in the air in front of him. Terry pulled the bag of sandfills out of his pocket and waved them in front of the Gaborgian's eyes in the hope that it might release Drina and grab for them. But it ignored them. Here, have one. Have them all, he said, and tipped them out around the tank. The tentacle just tightened, and the caragid made a sound like crumpling foil. "Drina!" Terry cried as the tentacle retracted and pulled her towards its mouth. Terry closed his eyes. "Drina, oh, Drina!" he sobbed. "Terry?" said a gentle voice from the tank. Terry opened his eyes. The Gaborgian had disappeared, and a living, moving, walking, talking version of Drina was climbing out of the tank and growing larger by the moment, until she stood in front of him, her sparkling eyes level with his. Thank goodness for that, she said. I've been stuck in that carrigid forever with people treating me like some kind of flumbittle. How did you know that getting a Gaborgian to eat the carrigid was the only way to break the spell?